Hi friends, welcome to Reframing Neurodiversity. I'm your host, Melissa Jackson, and I'm here to tell you it's time to see neurodivergence for what it truly is, a gift that benefits us all. As a former teacher, mom to two neurodivergent kids, and as a neurodivergent person myself, I know it's possible to see your neurowiring in a new way. That's why I'm on a mission to reframe the way we view neurodivergence as a collective and to empower us as neurodivergent adults and parents with the language and tools to advocate for ourselves and our kids. Join me each week as my guests and I share our personal experiences paired with cutting edge research, leaving you feeling seen, validated, and proud of the way your brain works. Ready to get started? Let's dive into today's episode. Hi friends, welcome to Reframing Neurodiversity. I am your host, Melissa Jackson, and I am so excited to be here today with my very favorite HSP mentor and business coach, Alyssa Boyer. Truly, the reason I am here doing this is because of you. I would never have had the confidence to take the action steps to put myself out there and to be doing this if it weren't for the work that we do together. So for anyone who doesn't know Alyssa and her work yet or follow her at Life by Alyssa on Instagram, you're in for a treat. (laughs) Go there now. (laughs) When I first met you, like I was in a place where like I'm neurodivergent, you know, I'm highly sensitive. I'm also really passionate and could be a bit, you could call it impulsive or you could call it decisive or intuitive. Like I get ideas. I'm like, oh, I'm going to run with it. Mm -hmm. But then what comes with that is the intersection of the sensitivity where I would be like, oh boy, that was scary. What I just do? And I would kind of get stuck in these like zones of being stuck and frozen. And when I first came across your page, it was like, you were speaking out all the things that were in my head, being the perfectionism and the being overly Mm -hmm. sensitive and feeling so intensely everything and the issues with self-confidence and self-worth and having that Mm -hmm. belief in myself and the vulnerability hangovers. Like I was just like, ah, in all of it. And so I truly like attribute being able to work through those things that come up as a neurodivergent and highly sensitive person to the work I've done with you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been so awesome to witness you doing that work and the shifts that you've made. It's amazing. Like you do take action, which is a huge part of your success and all that you've grown just in the past year. It's been like nuts. I'm happy to speak about these things for highly sensitive people because I feel like there's so much shame and so much of us feeling different and wrong in our experiences. I used to just feel like, oh, I'm the only person who feels this way or struggles with this. And it was crazy because once I started talking about it, I would get feedback from people like, oh my gosh, same here. And it was not only healing for me, but I know it's healing for others too, just to know that we're not alone and we're not broken. There's so much like shame that we hold on to. And when it can like be in the light, that shame can't exist anymore. And we can just live the lives that we actually want to live. And I feel like that's what you do too, normalizing being different and not seeing it as a bad thing, but rather it's just like, it's different and there's strengths to it. It's so important. And it's so cool. These conversations are being had more and more. Totally. That is the intersection too, in a few ways that we'll talk about of the work you do and the work that I do. And it's this, whether you're HSP and we'll dive into that a bit deeper or neurodivergent or both, you tend to feel a bit like an outsider. Like you don't really fit into the norms and expectations. Right. And so Mm -hmm. What I love about your work, and it's so parallel to what I believe in from an educational standpoint, is you really come at things from like a strength-based lens, right? It's not this weakness that you're different or that you're more sensitive or that you have a more you know highly attuned nervous system. It's that that is actually a gift and a superpower. And yes, it takes supporting those things and having tools to get through those things. 
but the reframe, right? The reframe on that it's success is because of their sensitivity, not in spite of it, right? Absolutely. Yes. And it's way easier to be like, oh, it's harder. Oh, this is holding me back. Like it's so much easier to do that. And like for many of us, that's probably how we spent a lot of years of our life. We were just seeing like, oh, this is why it's hard. This is why I'm wrong and broken. And you know, there's the societal messaging and all of it that plays into it. But like, how does that help us? It just makes us feel bad for ourselves and we don't move forward. Instead, we let our circumstances and ourselves be something that like holds us back and keeps us stuck. So it's like if we're open and willing to see it in a different light, we can really see all of this strength and start to actually use our differences as such an advantage, like such a unique superpower, but we have to be willing to see it as that. And that can take time and healing to get Mm -hmm. to a place of even being open to it as well. Absolutely. So will you explain to us, what does it mean to be a highly sensitive person for anyone who doesn't know what HSP means? Mm -hmm. So being a highly sensitive person, this is a personality trait. It's not something that you need to have diagnosed by a doctor. It's not like a medical condition or anything like that. I always compare it to being like an introvert or an extrovert. Some of us are just more highly sensitive. There's a free test you can take online at hsperson.com where you can get your sensitivity score. It's out of 27. I personally rank 24 out of 27. So I'm like fairly highly sensitive and People who are highly sensitive, like, yes, you probably hear that and you're like, oh, you cry all the time. Most HSPs are going to be more emotionally sensitive, but it's also being sensitive to your environment. So a lot of HSPs might be sensitive to their clothing or, you know, notice the weird smell in the room or a light that's too bright. We're just noticing all of these subtleties around us. Highly sensitive people also have an abundance of empathy. So we're often those caretakers or the ones that our friends go to for advice because we just have more empathy than non-highly sensitive people. It's just part of our wiring. We also tend to have a strong intuition if we allow ourselves to trust ourselves, to tap into that because we're noticing a lot of things. Many of us can be spiritually inclined where we're more interested in exploring the deeper meaning Um, And highly sensitive people are very detail-oriented, conscientious, because again, we're just absorbing so much of our environments. We're processing more deeply. So Mm -hmm. as a result of that, we also have a tendency to feel overstimulated and overwhelmed more easily because we are taking in so much. I think about this a lot as a mom, like some evenings, especially I'm like cooking dinner and the oven fan is on and my daughter is whining. And then my husband has the TV on and it can get to a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is too much for me. And so if you're highly sensitive listening to this, you can probably relate to scenarios like that where all of a sudden your nervous system is like, okay, I'm at max capacity. And if anyone says anything else, I'm going to snap. That just can be an experience of being highly sensitive. It's a really interesting trait. And I find that anytime someone learns they're highly sensitive, it's often that final like missing puzzle piece where they're like, oh, this makes sense. Like, oh, this explains why I'm this way. So it's just been so life-changing for me to learn and now get to share about it with others. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because so much of what you're saying is part of the neurodivergent experience. And I know we've talked about this a lot. People can have the highly sensitive experience and be neurotypical and have that, or they can be neurodivergent and most neurodivergents, I feel like do have this component of high sensitivity, not all, but it's really common. Do you ever find in your work that you do that people 
will start down this path of like, oh, I'm highly sensitive, and then go on to discover that there's more complexity to their profile, that they do have other neurodivergent tendencies, as well as just being highly sensitive. Yes, I've totally seen this happen in the past. I've had clients who started with me back in like 2020, and I've had probably three or four of them reach out to me and be like, oh my gosh, I actually just learned that I actually have ADHD as well. That's probably the most common one that I hear. um, And it just seems to like open up doors for people to have greater understanding of themselves and really put the puzzle pieces together. Absolutely. Part of the work that I've done with you that has been so helpful is that messy action. Just take the step. That's what builds confidence. How do you think self-worth impacts the ability to like move through taking that action? Because sometimes we can want it so bad with our mind, but we can mm-hmm. almost be stuck if we don't have the tools to regulate our emotions and all the stuff that comes with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an essential part of the conversation. Something that I learned about confidence, Susie Moore um, said this, and I'll never forget it. She says, confidence is a willingness to be uncomfortable. We have to show ourselves that it's safe to be imperfect, to make a mistake, to be judged, to have a failure, quote unquote, whatever that looks like. We have to show ourselves that it's safe. And a lot of us as highly sensitive people, as people who have felt different, a lot of us do struggle with low self-worth. And a lot of this comes from just the messaging that we heard growing up. Because if you were different, if you were seen as a more like difficult child, you probably heard things like, why are you so dramatic? Get over it. You should be more like this person. Stop making this a big deal. And so we internalize these messages and make them like, oh, I'm bad. I'm wrong. I am broken. And so, you know, when we feel that way, we feel like we're being rejected by the people in our lives. And so we'll learn strategies that we can do that give us the love and acceptance that we're craving. So, so many of us will then turn into people pleasers, or we try to be perfect, or we try to be overachievers, because if we make a mistake, or if we fall short, it makes us feel like we're unlovable, we're not good enough. So we're trying to always like, reach this level that feels like, okay, see, I'm good enough, but it's a never ending battle. And so when you do the work to heal your self-worth and understand how this is playing a part in it, you can get to a place where it's like, I'm good no matter what. So people are always like, well, how can I get more comfortable with not being perfect? I'm so scared. And so it's like, you know, look at what you're afraid of. What is that bringing up in you? And also have ways to regulate yourself through it, whether it's EFT or meditation or journaling, have practices to kind of balance the discomfort. And over time, you will be able to expand your ability to deal with it. And it just grows your confidence. So it like goes hand in hand and it's so powerful, but you really have to be willing to do that inner work and also take those scary steps in order to do it. It's so true. And What I found is like when you can hold that space of discomfort, that window of discomfort just grows a little and a little Mm -hmm. more and a little more. It's having those strategies as well. So it's like not this Pollyanna approach of like high sensitivity is all, you know, easy and wonderful. It's like no high sensitivity is an incredible gift, but we also have to know how to support ourselves because we are going to experience the world more intensely. We are going to experience the dips and all Mm -hmm. of the things just heavier than maybe someone who's not sensitive. And I feel like as parents too, it's so important to have this information because so often as highly sensitive people, we can have highly sensitive kids and can be really triggered by their big feelings and their big reactions. And so when our kids have big reactions, the best thing we can do is do this work we're talking about here for ourselves, right? When Mm -hmm. we can be investing in regulating our own nervous system 
so that we can show up and hold space for our kids when they're dysregulated. It's such a gift to everyone in our lives, not just ourselves, when we start to do this work, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I see that now as a parent myself, my daughter is almost 18 months old and like the tantrums I've started for sure. And there are times where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much for me. And it can be super, super triggering, but having this level of awareness around what triggers me and, oh, maybe I'm just overstimulated. So I'm actually having a bigger reaction than, you know, is necessary. Yeah. It's a gift to your children too, because you can hopefully break the cycle of patterns, you know, things that happened to you as a kid that didn't help you. Like you can now have that awareness and not perpetuate the same issues onto them. You can do things in a different way. It's super hard. Like it's super hard, For but sure. oh my God, <laughs> you know, and you're not going to yeah. do it perfectly, but no. just having that awareness and trying is huge. And it's more than what a lot of people do. So if anyone's doing that, you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> totally. And giving ourselves that self-compassion, right? Because I think the perfectionism can come in as parents too. Like, mm. oh, whoops, I didn't stay regulated, which just as a disclaimer, I think Alyssa and I both can like, I don't stay regulated all the time, right? All the time I have to come back and repair with my kid and be like, I needed to take a minute. Here's how I should have shown up. So I think having just that self-compassion to give ourselves grace that we're trying to do it differently and being more self-aware and curious about our reactions when we don't do it the way we would hope is also such a great opportunity to learn about ourselves. Majorly. I think that's a huge thing because there can be that desire to go into the perfectionism and then be super hard on ourselves. That's actually like kind of us going backwards. Mm -hmm. Part of like healing and growing as a person is also having self-compassion when you don't show up perfectly. If you're like, oh, I'm doing all this healing work, but oh my gosh, I like fell into this old pattern or I messed up. I'm such a piece of crap. And you go into that like what if this was actually an opportunity for you to be more gentle on yourself because you tend to be hard on yourself, like raising my hand, that's my struggle. And so anytime I make a mistake or I get dysregulated, I see it as an opportunity. I try to anyway, to be loving and compassionate with myself and be like, oh, you got dysregulated because it reminded you of this past situation or because you're tired or because you're dealing with a lot in your personal life. It's okay. Try again tomorrow. It's no big deal. So I think that's a really important piece. I mean, there's so much helpful information out there, like thank goodness, but also it's like it can perpetuate that stress that some of us can carry of like, oh my God, I have to speak this way and do it this way. Otherwise I'm damaging my kid forever. And I think we also have to have discernment and know what's for us, what's not for us and know that no one's doing it perfectly. Literally no one is doing it perfectly, no matter what you think. There's just no way. 100%. And I love Dr. Becky's work. I don't know if you follow her, Mm -hmm. Good Inside. And she talks about like the best thing we can do as parents is the gift of repair. And to me, that's always like takes that pressure off having to do it perfectly when Mm -hmm. I know I'm not expected to, but if I go back and own like, hey, I was feeling this way I shouldn't have and own our stuff as parents, which I think generations before us didn't really do that, didn't apologize to children or respect their needs. And and so that always makes me feel like, okay, I've got my go-to. If I'm not perfect, it's okay. I can go back and repair and just show up and try to do the best I can again. Yes. What a great example for our children too, you know, where they're like, oh, I saw my mom get upset, but then she apologized. And, you know, it's like, you're worth the apology rather than being like, nope, this is how it is. I'm the adult here, which is totally how it used to be. So I think there's so much power in that because 
also too, for always trying to like uphold perfectionism, we're kind of putting that onto our kids too. Like, oh, we always are perfect and we don't show our emotions and like life is real and stuff happens and they're going to have hard experiences. So showing that it's okay to be human and get upset and have feelings like, and also how to navigate it if you hurt someone else in the midst of that, that's huge for them. That's going to help them in their future relationships too. 100%. And so much more than just the words we say, right? If we're like, oh, you shouldn't be a perfectionist. It's okay to make mistakes. But then we're beating ourselves up every time we make a mistake. They're picking up on mm. that far more than the words mm -hmm. we say. So not to add to that layer of pressure on parents, but it, it is just such an opportunity, right? It's not just about holding that space for our kids, but holding that space for ourselves to give ourselves what we need and the compassion and the grace around you know, when things don't always go as planned. So do you have like favorite emotional regulation strategies that you like to use to help like expand that window of tolerance? Yeah, definitely. Uh, because it's important for people to know that like, if you are highly sensitive, you do have a nervous system that's more sensitive. So you'll become dysregulated more easily. So if it feels like things are more triggering for you. It's like, it feels that way because it's true. You just can right. get knocked out more easily. So having ways to regulate yourself is a non-negotiable. So mm -hmm. I, I always talk about emotional freedom technique, EFT tapping. That's probably my favorite because I can feel like an instant kind of relief from it. It's like, I almost always feel different after I use that. So if anyone who's listening doesn't know what that is, it's a strategy where you're tapping on different acupressure points on your body and you're saying different different phrases that can help you release stuck emotions, regulate feelings of stress, release anything that's stuck and help you kind of return to a centered state. I'm also a huge fan of meditation. And I honestly recommend people having like a daily practice, five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever you're able to swing. I like to think of like things like meditation and EFT tapping, like we're making deposits into a bank account. And then when stressful triggering things happen, those are like withdrawals from the bank account. So it's really important to like fill up your cup before you go into your day because life is imperfect. People are loud. You might get triggered, whatever. So it's like, if you have these tools and things that are kind of like supporting you and your nervous system, you're going to be able to handle things a lot more gracefully. I think that's huge. The other thing too, I would say is just having a baseline level of knowledge of what triggers you and why it triggers you. Because when you have that awareness, it's not so intense. Tools are amazing, but also make sure you're like doing the work to understand why it's happening and not just like putting a bandaid on. Totally. I remember hearing you say once a long time ago, I don't know if you'll remember saying this, but that you got excited. I mean, it probably <laughs> depends on your space, but you got excited when you were triggered sometimes because mm -hmm. it was this opportunity to be like, ooh, what is this? And I think when you're on a self-healing journey, it's like, ooh, I got a little window into something within me that I need to look at so that I can grow, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's so huge. And when people can like make that internal shift around feeling triggered, it you really will see your life as more of a classroom instead of the vibe of like, why is this happening to me? This is so unfair. People are so considerate and so rude and being kind of like, oh, you know, what was me? Which, you know, there's a time and a place. Like that's actually really not serving you. So it's like when you can recognize, oh, this is triggering me 
because it's actually hitting on something within me. Oh, let's look at that and see what's going on. Because the more you do that and the more aware you become, you just are more neutral to things happening to you. But it's kind of like, oh, that triggered me because it reminds me of how my dad was really critical of being like, okay, that's totally fine. This is a different situation. It's no big deal. I've got this. You can just respond more neutrally because our big reactions to things are often just because it's hitting on a past wound that has not been healed. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show, Alyssa, and I want people to know how to connect with you moving forward. I know you have so many great offers. How can people get in touch with you, take next steps, know where to find you? Totally. Instagram is a great place to find me. I'm super active there. I'm at life by Alyssa. I also have a free quiz, which I feel like people will find very empowering. So it's called the empath archetype quiz. And it just helps you identify your strength as a highly sensitive person, because we've talked about how there's such a narrative out there like, oh, it's hard to be sensitive. And you know, we can fall into that. And so that quiz is literally designed to help you see like, oh, what are the strengths of being sensitive? So all of this is on my Instagram page. So super easy to find. Amazing. And we'll include all this in the show notes as well. And I can vouch for, I think I've done all of your things. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) All the stuff you offer is just always so valuable and great. So, and I always love my time with you. So thank you so much for making the space to be here today. I really appreciate you. Yay. Thank you. The feeling is mutual and I'm just so excited for you and can't wait to see where this podcast goes. So thank you. Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Remember to subscribe and review so you don't miss a thing. Craving a way to support your child and their big feelings? Head to the show notes to snag my free co-regulate with your child video series and I'll email you all the details. Can't wait to see you next time.